0: Hello and welcome to another episode of NICE Talks. My name is Frankie Adlam and I'm from the media team at NICE. This time we're talking about managing asthma. Asthma is a common condition and as many as 1 in 5 households in the UK are thought to be affected. So how can asthma be managed? What do the NICE guidelines say? And how do we make sure that asthma doesn't control our lives? So firstly I speak to Professor Andrew Menzies-Gal.
1: I'm Andrew Menzies-Gow. I'm an adult chest physician at the Royal Brompton Hospital in London. I lead the adult severe asthma service. and I also um, have an honorary contract at Imperial College where my interests include new therapies for severe asthma.
0: So for people that don't know, can you tell us what actually is asthma?
1: Asthma is the commonest chronic respiratory condition across the world. Across the whole world, we know that approximately 330 million people have asthma. And in the UK, it's about 5 million people. Now, asthma is a, a broad term which can comprise all sorts of different conditions. But basically what happens is you get inflammation in the tubes within your lungs. And that inflammation causes people to feel wheezy. And it normally responds to what we call bronchodilators, or often the, the blue puffer that you'll see people with. But most people, that only causes a short-term benefit. And most people need to have an anti-inflammation treatment, which is normally... Uh, an inhaler with some steroids in it.
0: So how important is it to get a correct asthma diagnosis?
1: So I was very fortunate to chair the Asthma Guideline uh, Development Group for Asthma Diagnosis and Monitoring. Asthma is a really hard disease to diagnose. We know from lots of studies that one in three people who've been told they have asthma, when we do some formal testing, they haven't actually got asthma. And the flip side to that is lots of people who are breathless haven't had the tests, and anything between 30 and 50% of those people actually have asthma that isn't diagnosed it's really important to make the diagnosis it can be a lifelong condition and if you have the right diagnosis you can get the right treatment earlier and hopefully become symptom free far more quickly
0: okay so we've spoken about diagnosis now we move on to management so NICE have also published a patient decision aid to help patients decide with their doctor the best treatment for them how important is this discussion between the patient and their doctor do you think
1: So I think for any chronic condition, but asthma in particular, shared decision-making is key. As a doctor, I'm only giving advice as the person with the condition that they might have their whole life. It's really up to them. My role is to put the options on the table and to come to a decision in complete um, discussion with the patient. What's the best way forward? Some people would rather have a -a once-a-day inhaler. Some people would rather use an inhaler when they're feeling symptomatic, Some people are are happy to come up to have an injection at the hospital every four weeks, others aren't. So I think it's really important. I give advice, but then we try and put that within the person's life because we have to remember asthma is only one tiny part of someone's life and uh, my role is to minimise the impact of asthma on on day-to-day life. Hi there,
2: it's Alistair Duff
0: here. Hi Alistair, it's Frankie from NICE. So that's me talking to Professor Alistair Duff who is a consultant clinical psychologist at the Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust. Alistair spoke to me about his work at the Paediatric Respiratory Unit.
2: My work in the Paediatric Respiratory Unit with children and young people with asthma tends to focus on their anxieties around living with asthma, as well as their parents' anxieties about them having asthma. I think that it can be managed quite well at a kind of primary care level, but often... When there's a a severe or a sudden asthma attack, these children get referred to uh, tertiary centres or secondary paediatrics, and they're usually uh, experiencing asthma in in a kind of traumatic sense, having been brought into hospital suddenly, Uh, and it's this sudden onset and the sudden management of it that I think causes some of the anxieties of, of
1: living with it.
0: Data from Asthma UK says on average there are three children with asthma in every classroom in the UK. What kind of pressure does this put on schools to know how to respond to asthma attacks?
2: I think that schools schools are becoming increasingly skilled at working and, and supporting children with asthma, but I think there still can be some anxiety in the school system about asthma and how that impacts on a child. I think sometimes where children feel that that uh, their, their their school staff don't adequately know how to respond to them, or over restrict their physical activity, it leads to a sort of a sense of a perceived sense of sort of lack of security um, by the child or the young person, which leads them to sort of further avoid activities in school. I mean, schools do have asthma policies now that they can discuss with their with their pupils. There's also a good relationship between asthma and exercise, and I think that where children can be encouraged to exercise perhaps in, in a more interval style where they can stop and start when they feel that their exercise tolerance is being reached uh, can be quite a positive effect and help them stay in classes like PE or other activities uh, in, in the school.
0: The NICE guideline recommends considering an asthma self-management programme for patients, which comprises of a personalised action plan and education to adults, young people, and children. What's the importance of this in managing risk and anxiety?
2: Um, I think, in terms of risk and anxiety, the first sort of self-management strategy needs to focus on ensuring that people have got good device technique. There's there's a huge range of drug-device combinations in the UK today. And and these drug device combinations have different instructions as to how to inhale. So, for example, um, you would need to inhale slowly and steadily um, for an aerosol based device and you'd need to inhale quickly and deeply for a dry powder type inhaler. And so often the self-management strategies are dependent on effective show and tell type strategies of managing proper inhalation therapy.
0: What other factors can make it difficult for people to control their asthma?
2: The area that we, we look at as a potential cause of why asthma is sometimes difficult to control is exposure to, to allergens. In the home, this can be you know, to smoke or, or to pet hair, uh, dust mites. And in the environment, as, as we're increasingly hearing about in the media now, um, is the environmental toxins, particularly diesel particulates, uh, and, and traffic pollution in, a, in our cities and towns. So there seems to be a range of environmental sort of allergens that, that children and young people are increasingly having to avoid. And I think potentially it's some of these rules for living that become almost impossible to adhere to if you're going to control your asthma. So in many regards, it's unsurprising that sometimes asthma does become uncontrolled and needs approach with different treatments and medicines
1: So we've been developing for well over a decade now novel therapies and these treatments are very elegant and very selective injections that impact on just a tiny part of our immune system and have all the benefits associated with the steroid tablets but without all those side effects that we worry about so it's really gratifying to see someone come back who's been struggling with asthma for a long time, we put them on the right novel therapy and they come back and say I never knew I could feel so well
0: end on what do you think is the future for asthma care
1: i'm really optimistic about the future for asthma care we've made a a lot of strides the vast majority of people can be well controlled on our conventional treatments for people with severe asthma many of them can now have one of the biologics and, and feel much better than before but i'm hoping over the next 10 to 20 years we're going to be thinking about what we'd call disease modification so turning the disease off And eventually where we want to try and get to is a cure. Now we're not there yet and and please don't come away from this podcast thinking that this is going to happen in five years. But hopefully over my research and clinical lifetime we'll be getting towards that point.
0: If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to our channel. You can find the Nice Talk series on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher mobile apps. If you've got any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you either leave a message below the podcast or send us an email to the email address nice at and put podcasts in the header you can also follow us on social channels our twitter handle is at nice comms and you can also find us on instagram facebook and linkedin as well
1: thanks again for listening